What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock You know that night time 
Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, it is now time for our second part of our three-part tribute befitting of a queen for the great Tina Turner. And there she was kicking off the show, doing Margie Proud, the late Margie Hendricks. That guest lead vocal that she did on the Ray Charles recording of Nighttime is the Right Time. It's actually a Nappy Brown song from way back in the day, but the popular version is the Ray Charles version, of course. And in Tina Turner's hands, man, that is so great. She's doing both vocals, and you knew that she was going to just nail it. When it, The first time I watched this appearance, I was like, she's going to freaking nail that thing. It's going to be amazing, and I got chills watching it. Had to use that version. That was a live version from the Midnight Special in the late 70s. That's how you kick off a show, damn it. So, And that's how you kick off a tribute to the Queen, Miss Tina Turner. It's time to have some damn fun here as far as these next two parts go. It was a little bit more somber, I think, on the first part, as Awake, I guess, goes, depending on what country you live in. But yeah, we're in the Ike era right there, and now we're just going to pivot out of the Ike era, which is a luxury that she did not have. But we're going to kind of just get into the solo career of Tina as we get through this particular part two episode. You're going to hear a lot of fun cover songs, handful of really cool solo songs that she did. And strap yourselves in. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have some fun. Just treat this like a concert. Because yes, it's sad that Tina's gone, but she lived a long full life it's not a tragic passing if you die you know when you're in your elder years it's just a fact of life it's it's just a thing that happens we deal and we just need to be thankful that she existed in our lifetimes to give us all this entertainment and all this inspiration for sure so i talked about the acid queen record at the end of part one there and i'm going to play a song that really inspired the record honestly not just because of the name of it but this actually goes into our personal memory here. Uh, so my best friend Chris, my brother Chris, the C of C and J, I specifically remember having a conversation uh, with his dad, speaking of amazing people that have passed on, the late great Richard Cat. And if my memory serves me correct, he's talking about the Tommy movie, the movie based off the Who album. And they did this crazy-ass movie for it in the 70s. You gotta see it if you've never seen it. It's one of those rock movies you, you gotta check out because it's It's wild. And I remember him saying that he wasn't the biggest fan of Tina, but she stole the movie with her performance of The Acid Queen. And and I still remember that after all these years. That left an impression for sure. And you go and watch the movie and you're like, yeah, wow, she is awesome in it. So I definitely had to include her version of The Who's Acid Queen on this tribute show for sure. And I'm not going to use the audio from the film because I think that was also the audio that was used on the Acid Queen studio album. So I feature that album a lot, but as luck would have it, I found this really fun live version from one of the last shows that she ever did, 2009 in Amsterdam. There's a pro shot of this out there. It's tremendous. And another reason I wanted to feature it, because I, I really dig the opening to it. A little nod and a wink, and you know what's coming up after that. So here it is. Great live version of Tina doing The Who's Acid Queen. Enjoy.
boy ain't what he could be now This girl will put him right I'll show him what he could be now Just give me one Close the door, leave us for a while You won't be a boy no more Yeah, but not a child Queen, let's do it. You're gone. 
All right, all the tie-ins right there with this double shot. A lot going on here, a lot to unpack. Let me get to it. So yes, we kicked off that twofer with a live version of the Acid Queen, originally from the movie Tommy, which you hear that great live version from the Netherlands in 2009. And then we finish off that twofer with her cover of Elton John's The Bitch Is Back. And yeah, Elton appeared with her in the Tommy movie doing Pinball Wizard. And then a handful of years later, Tina would go in and cut her version of The Bitches Back on her, and what I consider to be her first real solo album. In 1978, she put this record out called Rough, and that was her first post-divorce, post-Ike record. So I consider that to be her first true solo album. I'm sticking to that story for sure. I would think she probably would too. I don't want to speak for her, but if I had to guess... If I had to put money on it, I would say that she would feel the same way. Truly single, truly empowered, and emancipated, and all that stuff. And what a great statement to make. It's so weird for me to think that her solo career, her real solo career, didn't take off in the way that everybody had probably hoped. And it would be a few years before she would uh, she would have to struggle a lot to get back in the good graces of the record-buying public. So weird to think that way, but there was actually another song on this album, Rough, that I wanted to include, but I actually found a way to include it in a future episode I got coming up. So listen for that. We'll get to it at some point here. And also, that record, Rough, that's where you can find her original studio version of the song we kicked off the show with today, Nighttime is the Right Time. So go check that out. If you want to listen to Rough, you can either be patient and wait for that inevitable reissue that should be coming out at any point, or you got to go like on the YouTubes of the world because it's really nowhere to be found as of this recording, sadly. But like I said, I'm pretty sure that will change. I was talking about the fact that her solo career didn't really take off and she put out a handful of records in the late 70s and we kick off the 80s. She's still doing the same thing. She's struggling. And if the movie didn't lie to me, she's playing like cabarets and small dinner theaters and what have you, like the small clubs like in Europe and stuff like that, which is where she could get work. I'm sure she got shows here and there throughout the States, but it was slow goings and getting that solo career jump started. And we all know that there's going to be a happy ending here around the bend. But as she's working to try to get back on top of the charts, she meets some people in England and they want to collaborate with her because these are up and coming people that have a bit of a name going on, a bit of buzz in England. And so she joins up with them. They're called the British Electric Foundation. And a lot of the people in that act consist of some of the members of Heaven 17. And so they got with her and they were like, let's do a cover of The Temptations Ball of Confusion. And so they went in, recorded it, got released as a single. She did some appearances. You can find some really cool videos online of her performing this. And even though it's got that early 80s new wave synth production with Tina on the vocals, like there's not too much soul stripped out of it, but it is a bit of a colder feel for sure. But once again, she can take any song and, and honestly any kind of production value and make it shine as much as possible in her hands. And I feel like that's probably one of her main true legacies as a performer so here you go we're going to kick off this next twofer i told you you're going to hear ball of confusion now but wait do you hear what that second one's going to be it's going to be wild so i'll just have you be surprised by what that is but until then check this out we're going massively into a new era here with this version of ball of confusion
so selfish you Now I find I've changed my mind I've opened up the door
So, as a music fan, if you're of the opinion that a cover song should be a true statement of the individual performing it, and not just a carbon copy of the original, then I think you would probably consider that to be a tried-and-true cover song right there. So yes, uh, like a power ballad, soul, gospel, testifying version of Help. The Beatles classic in the hands of Tina right there. And the wild thing is, is that most of the world has that version. But in America, we did not get that. So when Private Dancer came out in 84 and completely changed her life, millions of records, almost 200 concerts performed, all the bookings, all the awards, Grammys, and all that stuff. So this album that completely relaunched her career, one of the greatest comebacks of all time, and the international version, the version that the rest of the world got, has that version of Help on there. But we did not get that in the States. Very strange, but man, what a what a different record that would be, I think. If I grew up with that, I'd be like, wow, man, okay. But yes, there you go. Tina's version of Help from the international overseas versions of Private Dancer. And yes, we are in the comeback era for sure. And it's just going to be a party the rest of the way as far as I'm concerned. So let's keep things going with this. Here's a live version from 1988, that great Tina Live double album. I mean, that thing, that's one of the most essential releases that she has in her catalog for sure. I would definitely recommend that. You're about to hear something from that. And you'll probably hear, I think, something else on part three I got coming up. Uh, But yes, speaking of Private Dancer, on that record is yet another cover. The one that we did get over here in America. Uh, One of the all-time great classic songs ever. Everybody knows this song. Everybody loves it. Did you know that Tina did it? Well, if if you've owned Private Dancer for the better part of 40 years, then you would definitely know that Tina Turner has covered this song. But here is a live version of her doing Let's Stay Together.
As I attempt to bring you thematic twofers for the rest of the way through this Tina Turner tribute for the rest of this part two and all of part three, I hope I pulled that one off pretty well to kick things off with a thematic twofer right there of two very classic and wistful songs. Kicked off the set with a live version of Let's Stay Together, of course the Al Green classic from the early 70s, 
And that was Tina doing it live in 88. Like I said, the original studio version of that's on Private Dancer from 84. And I liked that version a little bit more as I did the live version of Missing You, the John Waits song. And I remember she covered that in the 90s. And I was honestly hoping for a little bit more. Her voice delivered. But if I have a complaint about the Tina Turner catalog, uh, honestly, overall throughout her career, some of the Ike stuff too, I think some of the production leaves a lot to be desired in a sense. Her voice really does pull up a lot of her records. And unfortunately, when she had that bit of success in the 80s, and I think Private Dancer was the right sounding album at the right time. I, I do believe that. But as subsequent albums came, I just feel like the production got really vanilla, uh, overtly vanilla, and I kind of wish they'd have pulled back and made it more analog sounding. And I realize to say that that could have been a thing in the late 80s is probably a big ask for a big, successful, award-winning, million-selling pop star. However, would have been the right move. I'm not saying go like full Rick Rubin, strip it down kind of thing, even though that would have kind of ruled. Imagine... If maybe not using Rick Rubin so much, but the idea of doing that in the last part of her life and her career, if she hadn't retired and maybe even just as a live performer, if she had kept doing records, that kind of would have ruled, I feel. But uh, I digress. Getting back into the set I just did there, uh, the, the version that she did of Missing You in the studio in the 90s, I, I thought she sounded great, but just the production didn't do it for me. I like that live version quite a bit better, even though a lot of the instrumentation is the same and the arrangement's the same. I think her vocal performance live, it just invites it to be just a little more biting and have a little bit more edge to it. So that's why I included that version. And that was live in Amsterdam in the mid-90s right there. And once again, speaking of songs that I kind of wish had better production on it, by the time she got to 86, the big follow-up, to Private Dancer, the album Break Every Rule. Not a super notable album. Like I said, vocals are good, but the production's a little eh. But I remember liking the typical male single. The video was fun, but once again, it's just like, yeah, the production's a little eh. So, but I, I wanted to include the song because I thought it was a, a enjoyable enough song. So I was like, let's find a fun live version of it. So going back to the well of the 2009 show from the Netherlands, one of her last big shows ever, if not her last show ever, they pulled in a fun version of Typical Male, which once again, I, I like it better than the studio version, so I'm going to include it here. So enjoy this live version from 2009 of Typical Male. Give me 
right, typical male right there. Live version, 2009. Hope you enjoyed that. And I'm going to finish off this particular part two with a twofer. And once again, keeping with doing thematic twofers, I'm excited to bring you this one. I, I did pick apart Break Every Rule as an album a little bit there. But one of the highlights, even if the production isn't all that great, one of the highlights is the fact that Tina had been hanging out on and off with David Bowie. And if you've never seen that Pepsi commercial, by the way, everybody's going to be putting that on their feed at some point here. I haven't really seen it showing up a whole lot in this last week, but people are going to start finding that thing again. I even played it, actually, on my show like years ago during the Bowie tribute because I just had to play a clip of it. It's super fun. They actually re-recorded Modern Love for a Pepsi commercial as a duet and I thought it was super cool. I was always hoping that it would actually come out officially. It never did. And so I'm assuming that could be a thing at some point. Maybe a bonus track on some reissue. That would be nice. It would make sense to put it on the Break Every Rule reissue when that ever happens. But with all the association with Bowie, Tina actually did a duet with Bowie on, on his album Tonight on the title track. And they used to do it live. And that association right there, two of the greatest of all time, who unfortunately are no longer with us. But to see them together up there just riding high in the mid-80s, it was a lot of fun to see. And I got to witness a lot of that. And for Break Every Rule, Bowie was like, he wrote a song for her. And so, yeah, that's the one I'm going to play for you to represent the album, at least from the studio side of things, for Break Every Rule. So here is the David Bowie penned song for Tina called Girls.
Closing off the show here tonight and closing off part two of our tribute fit for a queen, Miss Tina Turner. That was a Bowie twofer, basically, with Tina. So we kicked things off with Girls from Break Every Rule, which Bowie wrote. And then Bowie actually wound up doing it for possible inclusion on his horrendous Never Let Me Down album about a year or so later. It did not make the record, weirdly enough. But he did record it, and I have it on the Loving the Alien box set. So maybe I'll play that on a future show at some point. But yes, we continue on and finish off the twofer with Bowie 
on stage with Tina, that great live album from the late 80s, doing a mashup or like a song title remains the same, if I could toot my own horn a little bit there, uh, with Let's Dance. So the first half of it being the Chris Montez cover, which I grew up knowing it to be a Ramones song. And so, because I wasn't alive in the 60s, but yes, uh, Let's Dance and then going into Bowie's Let's Dance makes all the sense in the world right there. And what a great way to close the show. What a crowd pleaser right there. Love it. I mean, all you got to do is just type in some of the greatest singers of all time along with Tina. You're probably going to get some fun matches and some fun concert footage to watch. I don't even have probably half the stuff of people like jumping on stage with her and like wanting to be around that legend right there. Uh, But before the plugs, I got to say, please join me for part three. It should be coming out tomorrow. Part three is going to be epic. I, like I said, I was trying to pace this tribute as I would like the greatest Tina Turner concert of all time. And man, wait till you hear what we have in store for part three. It's going to be amazing. And I really do feel with all confidence that this will be a tribute befitting of a queen such as Miss Tina Turner. But until then, stay tuned for the plugs with my better half, Nola, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend, Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.
Post game show is brought to you by 